I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose, and what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by entrepreneur, confidence coach, and media personality, Raj Giran. Stay tuned. You know, September has a feel to it. The summer's just about over, and the personality of the year is familiar, but really still evolving, as we have a few more months to fill out the complete character of 2021. And by the way, thank you to everyone new and familiar for supporting the show by listening, sharing it with friends, following on social media at MyGoodFriend, and subscribing to the podcast. So blending the familiar seamlessly with new innovation to make it feel so comfortable that it doesn't feel unnatural is an absolute art and exercise of instinct, courage, and community building. For quite some time now, Raj Giran has been excelling at using all these to engage brands, individuals, and communities. She's a British-born Indian-Canadian, a single mother, a storyteller, a content curator, a Ruckus Avenue host, by the way, and the founder of Anoki Life and Open Chest as two media-based enterprises that showcase culture, coaching, event gatherings, and identity empowerment at absolutely every level. She's an incredibly inspiring and compelling personality and entrepreneur, and I was so thrilled to catch up with her for a conversation. We chatted about confidence, about her journey in coaching, and we started by talking about our mutual attraction to intelligent conversation and how to develop authentic relationships in an increasingly digital world. You know, I think it depends on who you ask. So if I was to ask my son, who's a Zoomer, yeah. Um, he would have a very different answer to me as a Gen X. So, so <laughs> right. communications, visceral communications, in-person communications are extremely important part of, of my value system. But mm. if you was to speak to my son, who's a Zoomer, right? He flips in and out of, um, you know, all kinds of you know, devices, doesn't really have, has more of a peripheral communications ecosystem. But yeah. from my perspective, as business is concerned, I'm such a communicator, Abe. I mean, you know, I'm, and even, you know, I don't know if you're, you know, if it's okay for me to say this, but, you know, even in terms of, you know, my persona, I'm a sapiosexual woman. So I'm very attracted to, you know, conversation and um, visceral communications and, I'm, I'm attracted to the intellect of human beings. And when I say intellect, I don't mean someone that's educated at Harvard, but someone that's had this incredible lived experience and perspective on life that's unique to who they are. So in some ways, I wonder if the attraction is to the concept of curiosity and understanding how deep just even sharing an engaged conversation and how how valuable that is um, in this day and age, whether that's done in person, online, in the ether, by writing to somebody, you know, like the attraction you get from the from the thought of even a card that's delivered mm-hmm. to you and what the what the meaning is behind that may be as valuable as the next TikTok video. Absolutely. And, and so I think it really comes down to us being respectful of 
each other's value system when it comes to the communications ecosystem. I yeah. think that we have to understand that, you know, we don't live in a binary world anymore. You know, our, our, our world is incredibly, you know, it's not black, white and brown anymore. It's, you know, it's all shades of gray, to be very honest. And all those shades are what make up, you know, the human existence today. And I think that the social responsibility piece of that, the inclusion and represent, you know, representation piece of that is the part that we have to focus on in order for our society to really get through some of these turmoils that we're all going through right now, whether it be, you know, not being able to, you know, be in person with the people that we deeply love, you know, and, yeah. and, and what's missing in that and how it creates a lot of kind of personal pain and trauma and the, the mental conditions that we're going through, right? We have to be mindful of how important different touch points of communications are. And as a communications expert, yeah. you know, those types of things for me, I'm very, very mindful of. So, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's someone that has fun with a TikTok video or whether it's someone that writes me this deep, meaningful, you know, email or someone that wants to meet with me for a coffee. Yeah. I respect all forms of this communication and I want all forms of those communications to be a part of what I do in a business standpoint. But having said that, Abe, like one, one thing that really was affected, you know, at least from my business standpoint was the fact that I couldn't do events. So yeah. a big part of the Anoki world is that we do an annual awards show and we do, you know, these right. different types of events, right? And why they're important to me and why I made a very calculated decision to not do the Anoki Awards online during COVID was yeah. the whole point of that experience is that the people who are being showcased and celebrated get the opportunity to be in person with their fans, with mm -hmm. the media. They get to walk the red carpet. They get to feel important for the contribution of their lived and their professional experience in this world. And I don't think that comes across when sure. you're talking like this. I feel they lose that opportunity to be really celebrated. And I think you can really only do that internally speaking and 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 for it to exude that kind of different kind of energies when you do it in person so that that went, that's where it was really affected and i feel it was the right decision i didn't want to bandwagon and sure. just kind of do it online because it's almost like well i don't really have to show up if you go to a live event you're getting dressed up you're mm -hmm. making the effort to take time out of your schedule you're showing up right yeah. well it's a process right i mean you have to you have to sort of expend your effort it's a it's a bilateral relationship that you develop yeah, by showing up by preparing by sort of like you know expending the time and the energy that it takes to actually be there and and then you know share in that and it's not just simply a transaction if you will. absolutely no. i think you just hit the nail right on the um uh, on the top of the head that we need to talk about and that is the quality of the interaction and yeah. the perceived quality of that interaction i think that's what really was the reason i felt that this is this is going to be a stalemate for the people that we recognize. So we're not going to recognize them un unless we can truly give them the experience they deserve. You know what, that brings up another thought of maybe how the success of you as an individual, but also Anoki as the sort of entity is that it's really based upon the concept, I think of, you know, the success of we automatically breeds the success of me. Right. So yes. that there's a community building 
um, throughout the throughout every sort of intentional step of what you do. And I think it goes the other way around too, um, Abe. I think it's the yeah. other way around too. I think it's kind of a two-way street there. Sure. It's the it's the me and us, but then it's the and and because it's the us, it becomes me. So yeah. I think it works both ways um, yeah. in terms of that relationship. And I'm sorry I cut you off. Ask me the question again. <laughs> no, I was just I was just gonna say that, you know, is is that sort of a, a proxy for kind of how you've built this uh story and how you've narrated it and and again sort of like the uh the steps of going through chaos or really taking the band-aid off and unearthing what we need to explore it's much better and easier to do that if we are doing it together as opposed to as individuals Absolutely. You know, when I started Anoki Abe, we lived in a very different world in terms of the exposure and the understanding of who we were as a South Asian, you know, race here in North America, at least. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there was a lot of, you know, the, you know, the whole confused Daisy syndrome. And right. I don't know if you recall that, but, um, and there was oh, a number absolutely of- Absolutely, I do. I, I've, you you know, were probably one of them, right? I'm, like I'm, I was. I live it, yeah. Yes. And, and I think that the big difference between the story of, you know, the Gen X North American um, South Asian versus kind of the millennial and now the Zoomer generation is that we kept trying to find ways to have permission to be allowed to have the dual culture that we existed in. Mm. Whereas the millennials broke through that and they, and, and for them, it was more a case of, well, this is who I am. I'm not here to authenticate myself. I'm, I'm real. And yeah. then, and then the Zoomers have taken it a step further where they are now starting to be the thought leaders and the people that are changing society's norms by really kind of stepping into a global perspective you know, of who they are as an individual on one side and who they are as a collective communal personality. And mm -hmm. they don't, you know, they don't feel that they need to hide, hide their South Asian-ness to right. be valid or to be powerful or to be, um, you know, mainstream. Whereas my generation, I mean, oh my God, if I smelt of Indian food or, you know, wore a Sawarkamis <laughs> walking down the street, it would right. be the worst thing I could have possibly done because that was only allowed in the house. Yeah. So you look at that in just a couple of generations. Sure. How there's been a massive shift in this understanding and acceptance or not of the yeah. duality of who we are as a South Asian race. But, you know, in, in 2021, everything is democratized, right? I mean, you have the information at your fingertips, the expertise at your fingertips, the content, the knowledge, the process, all available to you. And yet, in your experience, why is it still so important to collaborate and consult and be together in this journey as opposed to discovering it all on your own? You could learn all of this, you know, in on your phone. And, right. and you could certainly do this alone. But that's what's changed the game, right, Abe? And yeah. that's what excites me is that I'm a problem solver, Abe, more than anything else. And I think that's what's helped me be so nimble throughout right. my business, um, you know, enterprises. And I feel that that's probably what people have picked up on, even in terms of when I decided that, you know, I feel that I've had so much lived experience. Um, I've been many different types of woman, 
right? I've been, you know, a um, a daughter, a sister, a wife, a mother, um, a businesswoman, you know, um, the underdog. So, so that's the thing, right? So then I thought to myself, and, you know, I, I kind of was multi-hyphenate before anyone even knew what multi-hyphenate even, you know, was. <laughs> yeah. And um, and it wasn't by design. It was because I wanted to do all those things. All those things were important to the value system that made up the identity of who I needed to be just because all my life up until the point that I got divorced, mm. um, I was always someone else's version of who I should be. It wasn't until I got divorced that, that I started to explore the parameters and, and all the labyrinths of what could be the potential for my existence. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, Anoki was created along a parallel journey to that experience, right? Mm-hmm. I started to see so many more people who were like me yeah. and wanted to create a customized version of, you know, their identity um, without having to feel that they had to fit into one box or the other, but they wanted to right. bring the experiences of both those boxes into this kind of new identity. And I feel that social media has really amplified the opportunity to normalize that yeah. desire that you know we have that is innately a part of us as humans. And, and I wonder, is the mission of everyone on their own personal journey, however scaled that might be, is it really to invest in your personal mission, your personal brand? And in some ways, is I wonder if the exercise even of developing it just is empowering. Yes, I, I would say both. Yeah. I think that, you know, I, you know, there is so much that we've learned about the kind of underbelly of society that was never talked about, but has always been there. Yeah. You, you know, you look at, you know, historical culture within the South Asian community and a lot of other identities that weren't accepted or, you know, in the caste system, but they, they were still, they still existed and they were still very much a part of the ecosystem of what made up India until the British came and decided that they were going to, change what was normal in India. Like for example, the um the hijras yeah. have been a huge part of accepted society in ancient India, which yeah. wasn't accepted by kind of the Christian, you yeah. know, British Anglo-Saxon mentality. Sure. So it was all of a sudden they're the ones that ushered them out of society. It wasn't us. And it's almost like this that that suppression of things, even just the exercise of of reinvention and just sort of re-energizing and in some ways almost like rebranding to say that like look this is my personal mission this is our group collective mission how do we how do we reimagine that for you even as a mom a single mom and as a woman going through this journey you know how is it how challenging is it to in some ways sustain that confidence sustain that reinvention with the normal sort of cadence of the ups and downs of life and you know does that extended confidence and and sort of sustaining that are there are there elements of it that are just innate to who you are and you know or or does can that be learned to some degree 
Such a beautiful question. I'm so happy that you asked this. You know, a lot of people, they ask me like, you know, um, why did you call yourself like a, a, you know, a media coach or, you know, um, a leadership coach or a communications coach or a marketing coach? Because, you know, these are kind of your, this is your kind of subject expert expertise. Right. And I said, because that makes who I am as a coach about me. It, it becomes about my ego. I'm a media expert. I'm a marketing expert. Me, 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 right? To call myself a confidence coach means that I'm making it about you. Yeah. So all of the things that I do, all of the things and the resources I bring to the table, when I coach you, it's about the utopian mission of helping you find your confidence from the place that you're starting from with the tools or lack thereof that you may have from your lived experience, your conditioning, you know, whatever it was that you decided you needed to kind of push through with all of that. So confidence, and and I love that you're asking me this because, you know, I really thought about what is it that I actually help people with? I help them with their cadence. I help them with their voice. I help them to figure out what their identity is. These are so many different parts of the puzzle, but where are we going? What's the intention with these learned skills? Which, and and I I hope that answered the question, they are learned skills, right? The point is to help you come into your confidence. And with confidence, you have this kind of innate understanding that you can do. Yeah. Right. That's what confidence brings with it. Right. Like I can do this. And it's that I can do this piece that's been so important throughout my entire um, study of myself throughout my life, because everything about the narrative of the woman that I am should have set me up to fail Mm. as a single BIPOC woman. I should without a business degree. And without millions of dollars that I'm sitting on to start a business, right? I should have failed. So what was it? Like, what, what was it? If, if it wasn't the tactical things that create the formula of business success, what was it about the untactical things, right? right? So I think that here's the thing, right? Confidence, yeah. part of it is learnt, like the tactical skills, right? You can, you, can, you can learn them. You can be taught those. And I do that for mm-hmm. those people who need it. Then there's that other piece is giving yourself permission to say that you deserve the life that you're looking to walk towards. That's the detoxifying of all the bullshit that you've collected in the energy field that makes you who you are, be it something that you've done to yourself or be it something that's been done to you. I actually appreciate that a lot because... I wonder if it's impossible to move forward with lots of successful momentum without the first part you mentioned, which is you have to have that innate sort of trait. You have to have build that and it's learned. But then you also have to self-reflect and be introspective enough to know that, look, I, I am celebrating myself. I need to pause. I need to actually make sure that I'm constantly taking stock of who I am and understanding that's the only way to sort of like go through that resilient journey, right? As a BIPOC woman and a single mom and running a business and being an entrepreneur, you know, the more hats that you collect, it's almost more important to pause that many more times to understand the journey in the first place. 
I'm so happy that you said that, Abe, because, you know, I've interviewed so many successful personalities throughout the last 20 years, be they celebrities, thought leaders, um, CEOs of, you know, companies and what have you. One underlying benchmark of those who are uber successful that I've learned through interviewing is one thing. It's just one simple thing. Mm. And that is constantly checking in with yourself. I've heard this from CEOs. I've heard this from celebrities and everyone in between that every couple of days, I kind of sit back and I look at what I'm doing. That piece, the more times you reflect on what is happening in your present moment and you spend less time looking at what has been and less time looking at where what could be. Right. Because what has been, you know, it's such a cliche, but it's true. What has been, you can't change. You can only learn from. Sure. What is, you know, what you hope for hasn't yet come, but it'll come from what you're doing today. So why are we making life so complicated when all we have to do is look at today and look at the couple of days before today and the couple of days after today and keep stock on that. Because if we build the momentum based on that formula with ourselves, we won't get carried away. And three months later, what the heck did I just do? Right. Yeah. You're always taking stock. It's the reminder that however way we call it, pause and self-reflection, stopping to even just have that inner meditation for a moment and being conscious of what it is that we're doing, what is it that we did, what is it we're about to do in order for us to actually really, really examine what that journey is and really imagine what the the next steps or the innovations or the success are going to look like. You know, I'm so curious for you, are there descriptors or personal signatures, whether they're daily, that are, are so deeply rooted in your background as a person of Indian heritage, or for that matter, from some of your learned experiences. I know you're a, a Reiki practitioner. And so yes. in that way, have how do some of these things, both learned and sort of your own background, how do they inform you in, in some ways on a daily basis? So it's interesting because um, I um, the best way for me to answer that question for you is I was told quite some time ago that there's this certain relationship we have with prayer and with meditation. Mm. And prayer is when we are speaking to God or to that higher version of who we hope to be one day, that that version of us that's in a different parameter that I believe exists as do this version of me and to tap into who she is, right? And meditation is when you're still enough to actually hear back from that version of who you are, mm. or from God, depending mm. on, you know, what your belief system is. Sure. And um, so that's one part of it for me, is that two-way relationship between putting what I need into words so I can hear them is my prayer. Right. Listening and seeing, and this is kind of like that third eye meditation. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I really do believe in that. Like, you know, every time I do that meditation, I can see visions Mm. that speak to me and answer the questions I want answered. So here, and it sounds kind of very woo-woo, 
But, you know, this is a huge part that is missing today that goes back into the roots, the very roots of our culture as South Asians, right? Where, you know, there was this taught ideology is the reason why there were pundits and gurus and, you know, and, and, and all of these. There was a reason why you had to learn a multidimensional version of skill set that today we're not taught. Yeah. We are just taught to go to school and learn math and English. We're not even taught, you know, how to understand money. We're not taught how to run a household. We're not taught how to rear children. Yeah. I mean, excuse my language, but we have a very f- up, um, you know, understanding of what the education system should be for the human race, which I believe is the reason that everyone's just suffering. Yeah. They're not tapping into everything the universe has to help them. And I truly believe that the universe, the world and humanity is there to help each other, but we don't know how to tap into it fully. And it's that practical day-to-day reminder, meaning that this this spiritual or inner lens, if you will, is not just something out there that's mythical and mystical. It's actually a reality and it's a practical thing that for you informs you on a daily basis, just like you would balance a checkbook or just like you would be doing any other task. It's a big part of who you are every day. Absolutely. I don't fear And the reason I don't fear, it's not because I know everything, because I know very little. And the more I learn about myself, I I, I realize there's so much that I don't know, right? And and it's funny because ignorance teaches you that you know everything, but wisdom teaches you know know nothing, right? Right. (laughs) Let me ask you this, and and we can sort of, you know, after all that uh, you have gone through and this notion that wisdom particularly as we gracefully age in that way, but wisdom and and the understanding of how little we know, what are the frontiers for discovery now for you, either personally or professionally, that you're sort of looking forward to? I think I'm I'm, I'm at that phase in my life now, Abe, where I'm really comfortable with the woman that I am. I'm not constantly searching for that next success story because I feel that The amount of things that I've accomplished when I had nothing is the greater success over now having the profile that I have and the foundational work that I've done. Wherever I go now, it'll be successful anyway, because I've already done it with nothing. So now I have all of this, whatever I choose to do, it will happen. And the other thing is, is that you have to call it another woo-woo concept, right? But it's it's how I've lived my life. You know, I've set, you know, I've set things in my life that I felt, I know that logical wisdom tells me I shouldn't be able to do this, but I'm going to write it down and I'm going to tell myself that this is going to happen. And can I tell you something, Abe? Every single thing that I've ever done that exercise with has happened because I've made it a reality by just identifying and putting it down on my whiteboard and saying, Raj, this is going to happen for you. You've made it a reality. In fact, it's already happened. Mm. You're just walking your way towards it right now. And I feel that a lot of what I've learned, and I say this, is the one line that I always say, and maybe that might be a lovely way to close things off, is I always say, I want to teach you in four months what it's taken me 40 years to learn. 
because there is a one way without having multiple stops of your destination to get to where you want to get to if you can learn it from someone that's already been along that journey and figured it out. And that's really what this part of my life is for me. It's always been about service. I've never known it. I mean, I started Anoki because I wanted to help people. I wanted right. to help people like me who were confused to, to have a place where, that they could call home. I wanted, I did the award show because I wanted people who were creators and fashion designers and all these different type of people that weren't being recognized in our culture because you had to be a doctor or a scientist or accountant to be recognized. I wanted to give them a place where they could shine and be celebrated. So I've always been in service. The service to day for me is to help people wherever they are in their life with whatever the tools they have or they don't have to help them find what means confidence for them. And that's the service that I'm on today because I feel if people can get to that version of themselves, that we will be living in a world that is far more ready for a cohesive communal equity-based future for our children. Raj, you might be the ultimate embodiment of the title of this show. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. So uh, <laughs> thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm so happy that you were able to join us. I hope you'll come back and join us again. I would love that, Abey. Thank you so much for giving me space and time on your show. Thank you so much, Raj. And you can find out more about everything that Raj does at rajgiran.com. And thank you to all those who pour their effort into their work and into their communities, and especially our first responders and healthcare workers. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandekar, wishing you a healthy and happy Labor Day. Because every story told is a lesson learned. Because every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share stories about South Asian people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hear it every Monday, Tuesday on Ruckus Avenue Radio or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Karan from Being Bramp. Listen to Ruckus Avenue Radio at dashradio.com and download the Dash Radio app for complete access 24 hours a day, 7 days a week to our station. 